Our message series is Need Direction, and we're talking about getting direction from God for our lives. Learning how to make decisions, learning how to make right decisions, because when we have a decision to make, we can make a right decision or we can make a wrong decision, and we want to make right decisions rather than wrong decisions. Sometimes people are so afraid of making a wrong decision that they don't do anything. They don't make a decision at all, and oftentimes that's the wrong thing to do as well. And so God places us in situations where we need to rely on him, when we need to rely on his guidance in order to act and make the right decision in our lives. God wants to guide each and every one of us by the voice of his Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is, if you're a believer, God's Spirit is speaking to you and telling you the direction he wants you to go in your life. Let's look at the first verse, Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9. Now, in your bulletins, there's a white page. I'd encourage you to take that out. The white page has these verses written out. On the back of that is some uh, questions that we'll be going over in the life groups during the week as well. You can study those on your own. Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9 says, I will instruct you, this is the Lord speaking, and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. And so what is God saying here? He's saying, I want to speak to you. I want you to understand what I'm saying and follow my direction. I'm going to tell you which way you should go in life. I'm going to teach you the way you should go. God is saying to us, I don't want you to be like an animal, like a mule or donkey. You don't tell them the way to go. You have a bridle on them and you pull this way or pull this, whoa, and I don't know too much about it, but they, <laughs> they, uh, they go, you know, whoa, giddy up, I think. Those are, but you also have to do things with the reins to tell them the way to go. And those animals have no real understanding and... Uh, Sometimes we're like that. We don't listen to God's guidance. He says, go right, and we just keep on going left. And all of a sudden, God has to slam a door in our face and say, sorry, wrong way, buster. And then we turn around and go the right way. It shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't be stubborn. We shouldn't go our own ways. Sometimes we don't believe God. We, don't, we hear God's voice, and he says, go this direction. And he, we go, I think you got it wrong, God. I really think the other way is the best direction for me. I don't like your direction. And we're stubborn. We go the opposite way of what God tells us to do. And when we don't follow God's direction, when we either don't listen or when we do hear and we disobey, then we make a wrong decision. A wrong decision is a decision that's not in keeping with God's plan for your life. A wrong decision is a decision that's not God's best for your life. It's a decision that is not following in God's guidance or direction. Today, that's what we're going to be talking about, wrong decisions. We're going to try to answer questions like, how do wrong decisions happen? How can we guard against wrong decisions? And what can we do if we realize we've made a wrong decision? Anybody here ever make a wrong decision in life? Okay, my hand is up. Oftentimes we, we maybe even think we're making the right decision. And then as we get into it, 
you have that uh uh-oh feeling that was not a wise decision. That was not a right decision. And then what do we do? How do we manage to get out of the mess of a wrong decision? Will God forgive us? How did I get into this in the first place? We have these questions. And today, I trust that God will help us to answer those questions. Now, just a little of a side before we get into the story, and you'll see as we get into the story how this fits. I want us to think a little bit about the relationship between God's plan for our lives and God's promises. Let's look at 2 Peter verse 1, 3, and 4. It says, His divine power, speaking of God's power, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us... <clears throat> His very great and precious promises. And so this verse tells us that God's power has given you, has given me, has given all of us everything we need to live the life that God has planned for us. You can't say, I don't have enough of whatever to follow God's plan for my life. God has given you everything you need to follow that plan and purpose. And that plan and purpose can only be fulfilled through God's promises. God's promises are the provision that he gives to us to fulfill his plan and purpose for our lives. And as we believe in God's promises for our lives and so make the right decisions in life, we are, we are moved forward in God's plan for our lives. If we doubt God's promises, if we don't believe God's promises, then we get in trouble and then we get off track in God's plan. So today we're going to learn more about wrong decisions, how we can avoid them, and how we can recover from them and move forward with God. We're going to be looking at some wrong decisions in the life of Abram. The first uh, principle we want to learn today is that God has a promise for you. We're going to look at Genesis 15 through 17 and some highlights in an episode in Abram's life. Genesis 15 verse 4 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. Let's give a little background here. Abram had been called by God and to move his whole family to the land of Canaan. God promised him that in Canaan he would make him a great nation. In order to become a great nation, obviously you have to have children. And those children have to have children and children's children in order to become a great nation. And so Abraham couldn't understand how that could happen because he and his wife Sarai were childless. They had no children. He had a servant named Eleazar and he thought, my heir is going to be my servant, not someone not of my own flesh and blood. In how can he become a great nation? At this time, Abram was 75 years old. Sarai was 65 years old. Now, if you have today, and things weren't, people think it was really different back then. It was the same. If you have somebody who's 75 years old and his wife is 65, what are the chances of them having a baby? (laughs) Not great, right? Like zero. Zero. You don't have to be a doctor to figure that out. Uh, It's not going to happen. And God had a promise for Abram that is, was been reiterated. And here it was, a son coming from your own body will be your heir. 
Now that promise of God to Abram was the focal point, was the focus of Abram's life. It was the focus of God's plan and purpose for his life. And just as God had a promise for Abram, so God has a promise for you. He has a promise for every believer, a promise for your life uh, that as you believe that promise, great things are going to be accomplished for God. Now, God's promise is that each of us is going to be blessed to be a blessing. God took Abram outside in verse 5 and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And so not only was Abraham going to be a father, he was going to be a father of children as numerous as the stars in the heavens. Now, Abraham couldn't count the stars. Our scientists today are still, they can't count them all. They're just saying trillions, you know. I mean, there's a lot of them out there. They count, and but there's so many, they can't even count them. Abram would be the father of a great nation, a nation that would be blessed by God so that, and this was a previous promise to Abraham, that they would be a blessing to the whole earth. And so God's blessing on people, God's blessing on Abraham was not just to bless Abram so he had a great life, but it was to bless Abram so that he would be a blessing to many, many other people. God's promised blessing on our lives isn't just so that we can enjoy life, so that we can kick back, so that we don't have any troubles in life. God blesses believers so that we, in turn, can bless other people. That's the purpose of God's blessing on our lives. And that was going to be the purpose of God giving Abram a son. Not just to fulfill their desire to have a child, but so that son could be a blessing and his descendants to the whole earth. And our responsibility when God gives a promise to us is to believe, is to believe God's promise. It says in verse 16, Abram believed God and he credited it to him as righteousness. And so Abram believed the promise. What was the promise? I'm going to have a son. I don't know how. It's impossible to me. I underst they understood how babies came back then. I understand I'm 75, Sarah is 65, but I believe somehow, God, you can do the impossible. Somehow, I'm going to have a son. Was it easy to believe God? No. And yet he did believe. And it says that here God, God, uh, God credited to him as righteousness. That belief in God, that that submission to God's plan was credited to him as righteous. He was now in right relationship with God. And God's whole plan for Abram's life was wrapped up in this promise of a son, a son from whom an entire nation would be formed. Now, as God had a promise for, for Abram's life, so God has a promise for our lives today. And I was thinking about this. I thought God's promise for Abram had to do with children, didn't it? Well, it had to do with a son, but a child. And so God's promises for our lives, the most important ones really have to do with children as well. well. Let me unpack that for a minute. God created you and I to make a difference for eternity. Let me say that again. God created you and I to make a difference for eternity. Now, what kind of things make a difference for eternity? 
you know, is this building going to last for eternity? No. Is your house going to last for eternity? Is your job going to last for eternity? Is your bank account going to last for eternity? Is this world going to last for eternity? All those answers are no. What's going to last for eternity? People. People. And so what's the most important thing on this earth? It's, it's people. To make a difference for eternity, you've got to influence people for Jesus Christ. We're talking about making a difference for getting people to go to heaven. Everybody's going to go somewhere. But to make a positive influence for eternity, people have to go to heaven. And so to make a difference for eternity, we've got to influence people for Jesus Christ. Now, if God has blessed you, you're married, and God has blessed you with children, then the most important thing is to make sure that those children become believers in Jesus Christ. They become spiritual children. The Bible speaks they actually are the children of Abraham, their father in the faith. And so we do our part to make sure that each of our physical children becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. But God is not just interested in, in physical children. He's interested in those children becoming his children, becoming children uh, of children as they become believers in Jesus Christ. And so a spiritual child, whether you have physical children or not, you can have a spiritual child. A spiritual child is, is somebody that you've had a, a part in leading them to Jesus Christ in one way or another. That you've been an influence in leading them to Jesus Christ. You had a part in them becoming a spiritual child. And so each one of us, Each one of us, God wants to be an influence on people for eternity, to, to bear spiritual children. God's promise for our life involves seeking first His kingdom, and God's kingdom is make, made up of the children that He loves. And so God's plan for each of our lives is different, how we're going to carry it out. But I believe it all involves multiplying spiritual children for Jesus Christ. That is why we're here that is God's purpose for our lives. And so we, as believers in Jesus Christ this morning, are represented by one of those stars that Abram saw thousands of years ago. And we enter into Abram's promise ourselves as we live our lives to see more children come into God's family and shine like stars in the heavens. Now, our faith in God's promise to us will be tested. Again, I'm looking at the story from Genesis 15 to 17 this morning, and I'd encourage you to read the whole, those whole three chapters this week so you get the whole flow, because we don't have time to read all those verses. Uh, but we're looking at highlights to look at our topic this morning and understand about wrong decisions. But our faith in God's promise will be tested. Let's jump over to Genesis 16, verse 1. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So now we're fast-forwarding 10 years. Abram is now 85 years old. Uh, Sarai is 75. And if it was difficult 10 years ago to have a child, after 10 years of trying, it still wasn't happening. It was impossible then. It was doubly impossible now. The child of promise 
the child that God had promised, just did not seem to be coming. And so the faith of Sarai and Abram was being tested. It was being tested by the promise not being fulfilled in a, in a time frame they thought it had to happen in. It just didn't seem logical anymore. And so they began to doubt. They began to doubt, God, I'm not sure that you're going to be able to come through on this. God, I'm not sure you understand you know, how humans reproduce. I'm not sure you understand the aging process. This is just not, this is not working. And why, if it didn't work for 10 years, why is it going to work in the next 10 years? We're 10 years older now. Perhaps they began to think, we can help you out, God. You know, if you can't do it, God, maybe, maybe we can help you out. Maybe we can accomplish this in a different way. And so doubt leads to wrong decisions. Doubt leads to doing things our own way rather than God's way. In verse 2 of 16, And so she, that Sarai, said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family from her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took his Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. That seems to be that Sarai had a little bit of an attitude here. She begins by blaming God for keeping her from having children. God has kept me from having children. She says to Abram, now, why don't you take my maidservant, Hagar, in order to produce a child. Now, this was a common practice in the, uh, the Mideastern cultures of the time. It was called surrogate marriage, in which a, a servant would be given to, to, the, uh, to the husband to produce an heir. But it was not in keeping with God's plan and purpose for marriage. It was certainly not something that was in God's will. And as we'll th see through this story, God does not bless this wrong decision. And it leads to disastrous consequences. Now what led to this wrong decision? It was doubt that God would or could keep his promise. We don't think you can keep this promise, God. And so we're going to take matters into our own hands. They doubted that a child would come from Abram and Sarai together. Wrong decisions damage relationships. What happened next? Verse 4 through 6. Abram slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar and so she fled from her. Talk about a dysfunctional household, right? Everybody's mad at everybody. A minute Hagar gets pre pregnant, she despises Sarai, who was the one who gave her to Abraham to bear a child with. And then Sarai blames Abraham. You're the cause of this. You're the cause of this woman giving me all this grief. She despises me. Then Abraham says, do whatever you want with her. Is that right? I don't even think that was right. You know, just, just do the same thing back to her. And so she mistreats Hagar. And Hagar runs away, pregnant. What a mess. 
all because of a wrong decision. And so, the immediate consequences of wrong decisions are damaging to relationships, damaging to the things that God had for this family. Not only do these wrong decisions have immediate consequences, often have immediate consequences, but wrong decisions have lasting consequences. Hagar fled to the wilderness. And when she was in the wilderness, remember she's pregnant, out in the wilderness, verse 11 and 12, the angel of the Lord said to her, you are now a child and you will have a son. You should call him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. And so God told Hagar that she would have a son and she was to name him Ishmael. God would make this son into a great nation and yet this son, Ishmael and his descendants, would be, in, would be hostile to Abraham and his descendants. There would be hostility between them. Now who are the descendants of Ishmael? They're the Arabs, the Arabs of today that have come down through the centuries. Ishmael is also considered the forefather of Muhammad who founded the religion of Islam, which is practiced by most of the Arabs. Now, is this an issue today? All you have to do is read the news. Thousands of years later, much of the tension in our world today in 2014 is between the Arabs and Israel. That's a major, uh, one of the major controversies, major tension points in our world today. Everybody's lined up on one side or another, and also increasingly between Islam and Christianity. And Christianity is the spiritual descendants of Abraham. And I believe these tensions will intensify as we draw closer to the climax of history, the return of Jesus Christ. And so wrong decisions have lasting consequences through thousands of years. Now, you and I face the same kind of testing of God's promises in our lives as Abraham did. The Bible, God's word, is filled with promises, all kinds of promises, hundreds, literally thousands of promises that God has for us, promises that lead to blessing in our lives so that we can be a blessing to other people, so that we can see more people come to Jesus. But often we, don't, we doubt the promises that God gives to us. They don't seem logical. They, they don't seem to make sense. And when we doubt the promises, we make wrong decisions in our lives that cost us. What are some of the promises that we doubt? We doubt that God can really use us to lead people to Jesus. People don't, we think, people don't want to hear. People won't listen to me. And so we don't witness. We don't share the good news. We doubt God in our finances. We doubt that God blesses those who tithe 10% of their income. We think, we don't have enough now, so if we give more to God we won't be able to pay our bills. And so we make a wrong decision not to honor God first in our giving. We doubt we have the ability or time to serve others. We're so busy, we don't have time for anybody else. We hardly have time to take care of ourselves. And so we don't serve. We doubt we can make a difference in the world for Jesus. And so we waste our time doing things that do not have an eternal significance. God wants us to believe his promises. 
that you and I can make a difference in our world, that He has given us the abilities and the resources to touch people's lives for Jesus Christ. And if any of us looks to our past, we realize that at times in our past we have doubted. At times in our past we have made wrong decisions. But all is not lost because God gives second chances. Now let's fast forward our story again. 14 more years into the future. Abram is now 99 years old. And I guess that would make uh, Sarai 89 years old. And they still haven't had a son. Ishmael is 14 years old. Hagar came back and uh, she and Ishmael are living with Abraham and Sarai. And God appears to Abraham, Abram again and promises again that Abram will be the father of a mighty nation. The father of many people. And so at this point, he changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Now, what was Abram's response? He's still struggling. Verse 17. Abram fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a, man, a son be born to a man of 100 years old? Will Sarah, Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abram said to God, If only Ishmael may live under your blessing. And so... God was giving Abram, I don't know what this is, a third or fourth chance to believe. And he was still struggling with doubt. That perhaps Ishmael will be the son of promise. I, you know, God, this is now 25 years after the promise was first given, and it hasn't happened. I'm still doubting. But God helped him overcome his doubts. He said one more time in verse 19, then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And so God says, no, Abraham, it's not going to be Ishmael. That's not what I promised. That's not what I have in mind. You and your wife, Sarah, whose name was also changed, will have a son named Isaac, the son of promise. And through this son, Isaac, ultimately an entire nation will be built. God patiently waited for Abraham and Sarah to overcome their doubt and believe God's word of promise. And finally, the faith brought the promise to pass. Let's look at how Paul in Romans 4.18 summarizes what happened with Abraham. It says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said of him, to him, so shall your offspring be. And so at the age of 100, Abram, and at the age of 90 for Sarah, a son Isaac was born. God had done the impossible. And Romans, in Romans here, Paul now tells us that Abraham finally believed God. He put his faith in the power of God to accomplish the impossible at the age of 99 and 100 in the promise of Came to pass. Although they'd struggled with doubts in the past, although they made a wrong decision which had terrible consequences down to our day, they finally believed God. And wonderful things happened. And so in the same way, even if you've made wrong decisions in the past, even if you've doubted God's promises, God is a God of second chances. 
for you and I today, just as he was for Abraham. God continues to speak. Even when we doubt, we see it over and over again. Abraham doubted God kept speaking. Abraham doubted God kept speaking until finally he believed. And so we have a choice to make. Should we listen to God, what he's telling us, or should we listen to our doubts, listen to our fears? And God says today, listen to me. Don't listen to your doubts. Don't listen to your fears. Even though it doesn't make a lot of sense, even though you don't know how it could possibly happen, even though you don't, logically it doesn't make sense, God's promises will be fulfilled in our lives if we believe him. What if you've made a lot of wrong decisions in your past? What if your life is full of bad consequences because wrong decisions have consequences? Well, God is a God of second chances. It's never too late to believe His promises. He's a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chances. All we have to do is turn from our doubt and believe Him. And so just reach out and believe God's promise for your life. That is the right decision every time. Now, following God's promises for our lives, it begins with making the very first right decision. And that right decision is submitting your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today, if you're not sure that you're a believer, if you're not sure that you know Jesus Christ, the decision that you need to make is to give your life to Him. And to do that, we admit that we've sinned. What is sin? Sin is simply making a wrong decision. A decision that's not in keeping with God's plan and purpose for your life. That's what sin is all about. We admit we've made wrong decisions. And we believe that Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, arose from the dead, that our sins might be forgiven. We believe that he died for us and we ask him to forgive our sins. We turn away from those wrong decisions and we make a right decision to follow him as our Lord and Savior, to follow his plan and purpose for our lives. So I'd like to ask you to bow your head right now. We're going to pray. And I'd encourage you, if you're not sure that you're a believer, to... Open up your heart to Jesus Christ today. Pray something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've done wrong things. I admit I've done, made wrong decisions. I admit that I've sinned. I turn away from those things. I invite you to come into my life. I believe that you lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the dead. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you and your plan. For me, thank you, God, in Jesus' name. And for those who are believers this morning, let's pray that God would help us. Father, we thank you for the promises that you have for each of our lives. We believe, God, that you want to bless us so that we can be a blessing to other people. We pray, God, that you give each of us spiritual children, that you'd use us, that children might be born into your kingdom through our lives and through our words and through our testimony. People who believe in Jesus. Forgive us, God, for doubting that you can use us to make a difference for eternity. Forgive us for making wrong decisions, doing our own thing 
wasting our lives, our resources, our time on things that have no lasting impact. God, we pray that you'd help each person here who's made wrong decisions in the past. Help them to turn away from those wrong decisions and make a choice to make right decisions and follow you. Help any today who struggle with doubt, have trouble believing you and believing the promises in your word, God. Help them to overcome that doubt and believe. And we pray, God, that your promises and plans for each person here and your promises and plans for our church family together would come to pass and that we would reach more and more people for Jesus Christ as we believe and trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.